1: Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. This is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to recap the game against the Miami Heat, talking all about the biggest storylines and takeaways from this contest. But as we always do, let's start from the beginning. Uh, so in this game, uh, Alexey Pryashevsky was out with a concussion. We all knew that. Ty Jerome was out with a left ankle sprain. We all knew that. Trevor Ariza was out with you know not being with the team and all that. We all knew that. Avery Bradley, who was questionable during the preview show, was upgraded to available uh, quickly before tip-off. With that stomach bug, it went away and he was able to play. So the Heat were at full strength in this one. The Thunder got to play the defending Eastern Conference champions. Both teams come into this one two and three. Oklahoma City had won seven of the last nine meetings against the Heat. Since moving to Oklahoma City, the Thunder were 14 and 10 entering this one against the Heat. The Thunder rolled out the same starters SGA, Hill, Dort, Paisley, Horford. The Heat rolled out a lineup of Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Kelly Olenek, and Bam Adebayo. In the first quarter, Lou Dort put on display his improved offense, and that's part of the biggest story of the entire year so far. Because as we did the Say It Out Loud test yesterday about is this team too good to tank, and we ultimately settled on no, which was quickly proven hours later as the Heat blow out the thunder, do the Say It Out Loud test again with Lou Dort. Ludor is shooting well this season, he is driving well this season, he is passing well this season, he's finishing at the rim well this season, and of course, he's still that lockdown defender, but offensively, he's doing all of the things on the offensive end. What more does he have to prove for people to at least acknowledge the offensive upside and potential that this guy has in his second season in the NBA? I've been preaching about his offensive upside since that Ofer game in the postseason. But Mark Dignott said it right that you know this is more so who Lou Dort is rather than even the version of Lou Dort you saw last year. Because on last year's team, he was a big focal point of that Oklahoma City Blue offense. But when he got to the Thunder, he had a more vacuumized role. Like he was he was put inside of a box and just told to go defend. And you're in your first year you're on a two-way contract, so you want to maximize the jobs you're given. And he was given the task of defending the Elks of Damian Lillard and James Harden and kind of got away from being aggressive offensively, got away from his offensive game. And now as he recenters you know, re- himself, and he's still being a really good defender, but he's adding more to his offensive game, I, I think that the only thing Lou Dort has to do from this point forward is continue what he's already accomplishing. Like, he just needs more time to eventually finally get that, that branding of a good player and a good offensive player, because I think even with Thunder fans, you still look at Lou Dort and you're waiting, right? You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for his shooting percentages to drop. And the fact of the matter is that Lou Dort got put into that box too quickly that got put into that. Okay. Well, he's a good defender, but he's not a good offensive player. He, he got shoved into that category way too quickly because he can do so much offensively, whether it is putting the ball on the floor or it is passing out uh, to an open man or it is knocking down a shot by himself or finishing at the rim, whatever it is. He he can do multiple things offensively, and, and he can cut very well to make him an asset on that side of the floor. And if he is so much as an asset on that side of the floor, if he is so much as a contributor, then all of a sudden you've got a really good player. Only he still has more upside, and he still has a higher offensive ceiling, as Mark Dignott said after the game. He has a higher offensive ceiling, which can make him from an asset, from a contributor to an all-around quality offensive player. And again, you mix that with his ability to defend and shut down top scores in the NBA. Lou Dort is well on his way to a very, very good career in this league. So he's he was displaying that early in this game and often in this game whenever he was in the contest. You saw him get more aggressive with those drives to the rim. Earlier this year, you've seen him get aggressive shooting the ball from beyond the arc. So he's kind of trading off nights where he's going to shoot from beyond the arc, and uh, now he's going to drive in. And I'm telling you, I could watch Lou Dort throw up that reverse layup time and time again. It's so fun to watch. But Dort was awesome. And again, he's doing everything well offensively. There's not one area offensively that you just cringe every time he does it. So at this point, time. Time is all he needs. He just needs to prove he can do this for more than six games, more than seven games, more than 10 games. He needs a bigger sample size of him being this kind of player, which I think that he'll do. I think that he'll accomplish that as he gets more and more game action this season. But Darius Baisley had another quality offensive game. These numbers for these starters are going to be kind of skewed because they didn't play the the second half of the third quarter, the fourth quarter. They didn't play the entire game, and they didn't get their bulk minutes. But still, Darius Basley had a really good game offensively from just the eye test, and he was a stat sheet stuffer early on, scored five of the first 17 points for Oklahoma City, had that amazing dunk over Kelly Olynyk. You saw him utilize that pump fake, which he liked to do in the preseason especially, to get that open mid-range shot. Yeah, you know, For Darius Basley, one of the biggest things that stands out offensively is, is his comfortability shooting off the dribble this year and how smooth he can get to his shot and get into his motion and how confident he was tonight in that jump shot. I mean, the shot clock was winding down. He didn't panic, just immediately gathers himself, goes up and over Kelly Olenek and launches a three, which was all in stride, all in one fluid motion. It didn't go in, but still that confidence and the, the duplication of his shot was impressive tonight. And if there's anything to take away from this game, it was the fact that your young players showed out. The first 16 points in this game for Oklahoma City were scored by Shea, Baisley, and Dort. And the first 14 were combined with Shea and Baisley. Your young players played extremely well. And with Baisley, he had a huge impact on this game. In 25 minutes, he goes 5 for 10 from the floor. He goes 3 for 5 from beyond the arc, 3 for 3 at the free throw line. He also gets you 8 rebounds in this contest, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block And on that defensive end, as on his way to 16 points, on that defensive end, he was tasked with defending Jimmy Butler. And he said it himself, it didn't go particularly well. I don't think that it was as bad as Darius Baisley said it was. I don't think it was horrific on Jimmy Butler. But he wasn't the same defender we've seen him be to this point in the season. However, you have to appreciate the fact that Darius Baisley has wanted this assignment. He's told the media he's wanted this assignment, that he wants to be the guy that goes and gets a top score or an athletic wing or, or somebody of Jimmy Butler's caliber. And Mark Dagen responds and listens and says, okay, go get Jimmy Butler this year. Just go try to defend Jimmy Butler in this game. And Mark talked about how, but Butler is the kind of player that basically will defend moving forward. And they want to get him more looks on these wings who can score like Jimmy Butler. And, Mark is responding to the request of Darius Bazley, And if he's made it known to us in the media, I'm sure he's made it known to Mark and to give him this opportunity. It's his first time out there. First time getting a game of just saying, okay, Jimmy Butler is your guy to defend tonight. And for that first Starting point for Darius Baisley on that end of the floor, I don't think it was as bad as Baisley made it out to be after the game. I don't think it was awful defensively. Obviously, he took a step back from the amazing defense he was playing prior to this game. And I think that with each game moving forward, you'll see Darius Baisley pick up on new things and new ways to get creative defensively to limit scores the caliber of Jimmy Butler. And he still played pretty well. I mean, again, he got two assists in a block. But beyond that, he did a good job of staying in front. Got lost sometimes by the ball movement and the cutting action of Jimmy Butler. That's going to happen with a young player. But in a game in which the Thunder got absolutely dominated, we still had a lot to talk about about these young players, which is the bright spot. And it's the whole point of this season are these young players. And I want to talk about Shea coming up. I want to talk about if Shea is shooting enough if Shea needs to get more aggressive and assertive offensively, and all about the SGA point guard experience. I also want to talk about the veterans in this contest and what they did tonight and talk about the rotation and how I would shake out this rotation moving forward to optimize player development and what lineups I liked and didn't like that Mark threw out there in tonight's contest. We still have our three takeaways from tonight. We still have the bet of the game the MVP of the game, and the Moneyball outcome, do I finally get that first Moneyball win? We'll see, but I do want to tell you about our good friends over at betonline.ag. The NFL heads to their postseason this weekend. You can bet on every single super wildcard game at betonline.ag. You can also bet on the NBA every night, college hoops every night, and the NCAA National Championship game in football. So head on over to the one place that we trust and the one place that has you covered, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON and get your 50% welcome bonus. I use betonline.ag to bet on the Thunder game tonight. I also am using betonline.ag to bet on some NFL football this weekend and and get involved in some in some action for the postseason. So do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action yourself. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportbook experts. Betonline.ag. We are back on the Locked Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. This is Locked Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder When this podcast is over, go check out Locked on Bets. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and for a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and the NBA. Locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcast from. Brought to you by betonline.ag. So in this game, I want to talk about SGA. I want to talk about his shot selection and and about how aggressive or not aggressive SGA has been to this point. And I think that maybe everyone expected too big of a leap from SGA's shot attempts perspective because he still is shooting more attempts this year than he did last year. Now, granted, he's only shooting one more field goal attempt than he did a year ago, but he is shooting three more three-point attempts than he did a year ago, and I think that when you saw Chris Paul get moved, Steven Adams, Gallinari leave, when you saw Dennis Schroeder leave, you saw all those attempts opening up, and we all just assumed they were all going to go to SGA because that's the fun thing to do in the offseason. Now, when you get into this season, the defenses are playing him differently. I've said it before, the defenses are playing him as if they're football coaches trying to take away Tyreek Hill. They're just simply in the mindset of, if we put pressure on him, if we don't allow him to get comfortable, he has to facilitate it to someone else, and we'd live with them beating us rather than Shea. And so I think that when you look at Shea's numbers, it's important to realize a lot of things. you got to realize, number one, the defenses are just keying on him. And number two, he's adjusting to a completely foreign role to him to this point in his NBA career. You've also got to realize that it's only been five games, five games to adjust to this new lifestyle in the NBA as a starting lead guard, as a number one option, as teams are just singling him out defensively. You you have to realize all those things. And then remember that those six assists per game is pretty deceptive. Not only is it 6.8, so almost seven assists per game, but he's had so many times where he should have had more assists, but guys just cannot knock the shot down. And so what you have to praise with SGA is that he's not forcing his own lucks, And he's taking what the defense gives him. And he's making the correct read. And in your first five games or six games as an NBA point guard, to already look under control and to already make these impressive reads is something that you should take joy in from your 22-year-old point guard. In an ideal world, yes, we would love to see Shea just go shoot 20 times a night and just see what happens, but Shea is not going to play outside of himself or outside of the offense. I would also remind everyone that eventually this team's going to make moves, right? Like eventually, George Hill will not be on this team. Maybe you see Mike Muscala get moved even, and those are even more shots going out. I think with Shea, the big thing is not shot attempts, it's just the eye test. Like, in this game, I felt like there were times in which he could have been more aggressive. There were times in which he was a little bit too passive, where maybe he didn't have an an all-time great look, but the guy he passed it to had about the the same amount, right? Like, if you're going to grade this on, on a scale of wide open, open, and bad shot, Shea had an open look he passes it to a guy who also had an open look. So I'd rather Shea just keep that himself and take the shot, uh, unless you're passing it to a great look or a wide-open look. But that will come in time. Shea will get more and more aggressive as the season goes on. In this game, he shoots 15 times. Again, remember, he didn't even play 30 minutes in this game because of the fact that it was just such a blowout. So I wouldn't worry too much about Shea's shot attempts. I think that it'll come in time and just... You know, take away the positive of he's not forcing anything. He's making the right reads. He's making the right basketball play. And eventually, he'll have talent around him to reward him for making the right basketball play. And in this game, he didn't. He he just didn't have the guys to knock down those shots. I mean, even the veterans, Al Horford and George Hill and Mike Muscala, even those guys were awful. I mean, Al Horford makes one shot from the field. George Hill makes one shot from the field. And Mike Muscala makes one shot from the field. Muscala goes one for seven from beyond the arc. Hill goes one for three from beyond the arc. Horford goes 0 oh for four from beyond the arc. And most of Horford's threes were set up by SGA, including a beautiful pick and pop to get out Horford open at the top of the key that was just not knocked down. So all those things play into your feeling about Shea in this offense. If Shea's kicking it to those guys and they're knocking down the shots that he's creating for them, and Shea's assist numbers in this game go from four to eight, nine, 10, 12. Then all of a sudden, you feel differently about the overall outcome of Shea's offensive game. I think he played a really good game. I think that, you know, I understand the want to have Shea be more aggressive, right? Because for a fan at home, it's more entertaining to watch Shea shoot 15 times than to watch seven Justin Jackson attempts. Or, to watch five Isaiah Robey attempts. But it doesn't quite work that way. So you got to give credit to Shea for just playing within the offense for the time being. So I thought that all of the young guys, all of those building blocks, those staples, SGA, Baisley, Dort, played extremely well. And they're the only reasons why you were even close in this game at points. And they were about the only players on this roster that played well, period. Forget good, even played well. I thought you got a good Himenu Diallo game, which is sad because you never want to waste that good Himenu Diallo game, which happens, you know, once every two weeks or so. You never want to waste that in a blowout game. But all the fears I talked about in the pregame show, I talked about how with Poku going down, maybe you see Diallo try to do too much. In this game, in 17 minutes, he goes three for three from the floor. He goes three for four from the free throw line, gets to the line four times in this one, three rebounds and an assist, he does have the two turnovers. You don't like that, but he still played inside of his role. He did not try to expand on his role or try to create too much or dribble too much. He was a solid him Diallo. Now, the problem is you got solid him Diallo and you saw Muscala regress. You saw Hill regress. You saw Horford regress in this game from what they usually are this season. So, is kind of null and void encounter and and matter's not that you got a good Diallo. Uh, but I think that beyond Diallo and Shea and Dorton Basley, there are not any real standouts. I mean, even Isaiah Roby, who I just love watching Isaiah Roby play, there's not much you can take from him in this contest. And I would say that with Tail Maldon, there's something to take away from this 17 minutes. I mean, he only goes two for seven shooting-wise, uh, but he did get that rebound and he got two assists in this one. But beyond that... He got a very impressive steal in this contest. He's defending a guy who's standing in the corner, and he cuts from the corner baseline. And Maldon notices it a bit late, and so you think that the Miami player has a step on him. The bounce pass goes in, and Maldon tips it and steals it. And I think that that recovery speed is a good indication and and I guess a good example of what I've been saying about coming into the draft, his athleticism, Tail Maldon's was always questioned. And in turn, that questions the defensive level he's going to play at. If you do not have NBA athleticism. And he talked about that with us in the media during his pre-draft interviews with the media, that, you know, that's something he's working on. He's working on his defense. And you saw that right there. Cause I think that that's not a play that Maldon can make a year ago. So clicking in that way, in the passing lanes and figuring out how to recover and be efficient with the steps was crucial in that play. And it's been something that he's, truly worked on this year and you've seen it all year long that is just one play in this game that encapsulates it really really well i want to continue this recap of the miami heat game including what my new favorite bench lineup is but i do want to tell you first about our good friends over at rackauto.com rackauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online For 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago, you probably had dial up internet and you couldn't work it very well, but you could have been buying auto parts online at rockauto.com. Now, what I love about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars. And so that might be weird. Why do you love an auto part website when you know nothing about cars? Well, it's because I don't have to. Rockauto.com makes it so easy and simple for me to find the parts my car needs. I just put my make, my model, my year into their database and they do the rest because without that feature i would be totally lost i'd be buying parts my car didn't need it would be an absolute disaster my good friends over at record.com ensure that that never happens so be sure to check them out for all the parts your car will ever need today tell them locked on sent you and the how did you hear about us box and they'll know what to do from there amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
2: Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point.
2: 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing.
0: Would you agree?
2: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
1: We are back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. But is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S? Obviously not the best game from the Oklahoma City Thunder we talked about a pregame that to win this contest and to even keep it close in this game, your veterans had to show up from beyond the arc. And they didn't. The Thunder shot 27% from beyond the arc. A lot of that is due to Mike Muscala going one for seven. A lot of that is due for, you know, Al Horford going over four. And George Hill one for three. The Heat got open looks from beyond the arc almost at will. And they shot 47% from a three-point land, including... Four three pointers from Duncan Robinson, who was on fire, and then Kelly Olynyk follows it up with five of his own. So obviously not the best night defensively from this team, but this team did throw out a lineup that I'm, I find very interesting. And and the Thunder pretty much emptied their bench in this game. I mean, not a single player that was active didn't get a minute, which rightfully so in a game that you lost one eighteen to ninety. Uh, but Throughout the midst of all of that, you're playing literally everyone in your roster. Throughout all of that, I liked a specific lineup, which was Taylor Maldon, Hemdou Diallo, Isaiah Roby, Mike Muscala, and Justin Jackson. Now, substitute Justin Jackson for Alexei Pukashevsky whenever he's healthy. And that Maldon, Diallo, Poku, Roby, Muscala lineup, I really like that moving forward for player development. And whenever you get Ty Jerome healthy... This team gets even more interesting because that's another young player who you can just throw in the mix. Because at that point, you could have a Maldon, Jerome, Diallo, Poku, Muscala lineup or a Maldon, Jerome, Diallo, Poku, Roby lineup. I mean, there's just so many possibilities player development wise that it unlocks for you whenever you have Jerome and, and Poku back in the lineup. So I'm excited for that. And look, we'll talk about the NBA draft, the 2021 class, on tomorrow's show. So don't worry. We're going to have some something to look forward to, and there's going to be a light at the end of this tunnel tomorrow. Uh, but the Thunder are where they want to be. I mean, they're 2-4 and four right now. This is the first game that was truly hard to watch, because even in that Pelicans game where the scoreboard is stating the fact that you got blown out, watching the game – you were in it until the seven minute mark, and at that point, you left in a bench lineup too long without your starters in there, and you did not take advantage of a Zionless, Brandon Ingramless, and Steven Adamsless lineup from the Pelicans. You didn't take advantage of it, and you got blown out. So, you know, even in that game, there were opportunities for you to come back. This is the first game that was hopeless, right? This is the first game where you just got toyed with by a much better team, and Miami took it away, even as they're wearing this, these uniforms that look like a bottle of Pepto Bismol. So they're putting a watchable product on the floor even while they're tanking for a better draft pick. So you have to admire what Sam Presti has constructed so far with this roster. And we all, again, still hope it ends in Cade Cunningham being a member of the Thunder at the end of the day. I think the three big things from tonight, Oklahoma City is not too good to tank, which we talked about yesterday. Justin Jackson is, in fact, just a minutes eater, and I do not see him getting much playing time when Poku is back. But now it is time for the MVP of the game. Yes, there is still an MVP, even as the Thunder get blown out.
2: MVP MVP. MVP right now.
1: You're the real MVP. MVP, MVP, MVP. The MVP of the game for the Oklahoma City Thunder has to be Darius Baisley who scored 16 points. Shea scored 18 points, but Darius Baisley got 16 points, got that Jimmy Butler assignment, got the two steals, the block, the two assists, the eight rebounds, shot 60% from beyond the arc and 50% from the floor. Liked his aggressiveness, liked the moves he pulled off in this game, and it was good to see him build on the success he saw Saturday after that struggling week last week. So Baisley earns the MVP of this contest and now the Andrew Wiggins Award. The Andrew Wiggins Award is given to the most random player who goes off for the opposition, as Andrew Wiggins was known to do in his days in Minnesota. How could you not give it to Kelly O'Linick? Kelly o- O'Linnick decided to choose violence today against the Thunder. On his way to 19 points, he makes five three-pointers, going five for seven from three-point land, seven for nine from the floor. He also got eight rebounds and an assist in this contest. Olenek was really good. The bet of the day, I failed. I had Oklahoma City plus eight. Did not turn out. The money ball outcome. Will I finally not be 0 for? No, I'll have to try again on Wednesday because I picked SGA, who knocked down two triples, but Darius Baisley had three to lead the team. So if you had Darius Baisley, shout out to you. You get another Moneyball win. So we'll try to regroup. Everyone will, including myself, with the bet of the day and the Moneyball of the day. On Wednesday's game against the New Orleans Pelicans, we'll be back tomorrow. This is Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. So we will be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the 2021 NBA draft class leading into that Pelicans game on Wednesday. On Thursday, we'll recap that Pelicans game. And on Friday... We're going to preview the game against the New York Knicks, a loaded week on Locked on Thunder. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. I am Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.